Sensibly Speaking Podcast. This is Chris Shelton, the critical thinker at large, coming at you on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and with video here on YouTube. Okay, folks, this week I have another special guest, a returnee, a wonderful, wonderful woman uh, who I'm sure anybody in the Scientology watching community knows very well, Karen De La Carriere. She is a uh, former, not just a former Scientologist, but a former Sea Org member. And not just a former Sea Org member, but somebody who was actually at the very top of the Scientology hierarchical structure, the, the, this nebulosity that we call the Scientology structure or org board. She actually worked on the ship, on L. Ron Hubbard's ship with him uh, for a number of years as, a, as one of the most highly trained auditors and case supervisors in the world. So this is a woman who has literally been there, done that, on every aspect of Scientology, and this is why I love talking to her. Uh, and she has put out a tremendous amount of work herself on her own YouTube channel called the Surviving Scientology Channel, which I will link to below so you guys can check that out if you are unfamiliar, which would be kind of shocking, but if you are, you can check that out. Karen, welcome to my show. Hello, Chris. Hello, everybody. Nice to have you here. I, and we, 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 it took us a little while of, of some logistics, this and that, arranging all of this, but it was uh, time well spent, I think. I think this is going to be very interesting. I am, first off, very curious about um, you. You also not just uh, worked under L. Ron Hubbard and worked as a highly trained technical person, but you also worked in the Office of Special Affairs, which is Scientology's legal and PR and dirty tricks division. How long were you working there at, at uh, OSA? That was five and a half years. I do want to say that I was not involved in the dirty tricks intelligence section at all. I was a humble secretary. <laughs> I was a humble admin assistant to Heber with this grandiose title, presidential aide. Heber was the president, I was the aide, and I did, you know, a lot of bookings. Scientology craves religious recognition, craves it. And the more you, the more Scientology felt it hooked up with other religions to say, hey, look, we're a brother. So evangelical ministers and other people who were high up religious structures to hook Heber in with meetings with them, that was that was a kind of secretarial duty I had. Awesome. It, mm -hmm. Now, you do get, when you work five and a half years in any entity, you do get to learn and know a few things. So I can't, I can't say that I didn't actually know anything happening. But as regarding the planning of the more deadly things they were doing, I was completely oblivious to that. Mm -hmm. Right, exactly. I made a point in a recent video, I can't remember which one, that the information in the Office of Special Affairs is, and all of Scientology really, but especially in OSA, it is very compartmentalized. 
They're very siloed. One division operates, ex you know, almost exclusively separate from another, you know, division which operates completely separate. So the PR guys, the public relations guys, which I think is where you were mainly focused on your work, yeah. Yeah. don't really know what the yeah. dirty tricks guys are doing, what the legal guys are doing. And they all don't really know a whole lot about um, the, um, well, you got, what do you have? You have the PR, you have the legal and well, and then you have the stalking and the harassment. <laughs> so, yeah. so these yeah. things are kind of kept siloed away from each other, I guess, so that you guys in the PR area could sort of do your PR work and talk about how great Scientology was and how religious it was and still have plausible deniability and be able to kind of keep your head clear of the, all the legal entanglements that the church was involved in, which might call you to question whether what you're doing right, is actually right on the nose there's also uh, what's called a need to know basis uh can you imagine if a widespread amount of people knew about this and they fled look at me i blew i escaped well i didn't blow i kind of i i, I wouldn't participate my my withdrawal was and then coming out again you know on marty's blog but the thing is, the more people that know, can you imagine a percentage of those then getting into it on the internet? So they want to minimize who knows about these things, minimum. And every single day, a report, a daily report is written at Office of Special Affairs International, highlighting what the new flaps are, what the new catastrophes are, what the new disasters are, who is potentially a new enemy, plus their jubilant wins on what they now have achieved. But that is so confidential, Heba would get one of those. It has to be immediately shredded when read. And it's right there on the thing. Read and shred, because remember, it contains some of the more deadly things they're up to. Not allowed to file it, not allowed to keep it, not allowed to hang on to it for even one, <laughs> read and immediately shred it in the shredder. This, this is such a, you only have secrets when you're hiding bad deeds. Yeah, you exactly. Can't, you, if you're open, and there's absolutely nothing to hide. Who cares what read, who reads what? Exactly, exactly. Well, it also, it seems to kind of go against the grain a little bit because remember in Scientology, at least as staff members and Sea Org members, remember if it isn't written, it isn't true. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. good one <laughs> so good one you know you shred it yeah. no that's not true yeah. that never happened i don't know anything yeah. about that you know yeah exactly but i exactly. okay well i wanted to ask you so this was all of course uh your time in osa and your time in scientology with that stuff was all pre-internet and they have had a very hard time now that the internet is out and the, the, the propagation of information is so easy and so widespread that they can't really keep a, a, a lid on it anymore, you know, in terms of uh, information getting around about what they're up to. And I'm sure that this is affecting 
current Scientologists who hear about this stuff, or they have their friends or their coworkers ask them about it at least a couple of times before they get the, you know, hey, I don't want to hear about that. I don't want to talk about that, you know, kind of kind of response from the Scientologists. So there must be, though, a whole new you know, effort being made within the church to to clamp that down and to to keep that sort of thing, keep Scientologists, uh, you know, in the dark still. How, how do you think they're going about doing that? Well, <laughs> Chris, <laughs> if you confess you've read a little bit of the internet, that could cost you $50,000 in sex checks. It's costly to stray and do something. Do you remember this guy called Skip Press? Tony Ortega told his story. He was a police lieutenant who got fired because he was helping Guardian office in those days. The, and and uh, he was reading the web and he got reported, knowledge reported, and it cost him $100,000 in sex checks for just reading. The, he wasn't posting. He wasn't. He wasn't critical in any way. He just read. And guess what? After being a good boy and paying $100,000 and having interrogatory after interrogatory, they then declared him suppressive person. And they have two of their daughters on staff. One girl who's in the Sea Org, um, the other one's in Tampa, Tampa Org. The, when he, he, he went there to see them, he's a dad, he's a father. And you know, she said, get off the property or we'll call Clearwater PD. Wow. You see, a daughter is so mind manipulated that she can threaten to call police on her own father. Wow. And what did he do wrong? He read the internet. So the internet is very much off limits. Are you familiar with a wonderful guy who was at author services? He died of cancer a few years ago. I wish he, wish he was <laughs> Vaughn Young. Oh, and Vaughn, yes. Young, yeah. Vaughn Young gave this wonderful statement. He said, the internet is Scientology's Vietnam. It's a war they cannot win. There's a lot said in that one sentence because the internet isn't going to go backwards. There's not going to be less and less internet. There's only going to be more. It, it, it goes forward like a bulldozer, never ending. There's Twitter and Google and YouTube and you announced all these different platforms you're on. It expands relentlessly. It's a never ending tsunami moving forward in time and space. So. Scientology is doomed as far as the internet go. They can't wrap it all back. Chris, when you're dead and gone and I'm dead and gone, we all dead, we all go. Your videos will be a leg. I see, I see videos of people who've long since passed. YouTube doesn't take anything down ever. Yeah. Unless, unless they've nuked it for, for some reason. But your videos are your legacy. That long, the newer generation, long after you're not even making videos, they are alive and well and talking and speaking. Right. It's kind of a good feeling to, to think about that. Mm -hmm. 
Big time, big time. And your legacy as well through your channel also, as well as all the other work that you do, uh, which is really championship stuff, by the way. Uh, and of course, you know, so it's, it's so funny, we, you and I just sitting here talking about this, uh, because there's so much stuff that goes on behind the scenes that no one really is ever going to know a whole lot about also. Yeah. You know, uh, a lot of work we do. Um, now, yeah. on the legal side of things, I want to I want to sort of dig in. I want to sort of, you know, see what your thinking is on this. There have there is a new lawsuit and it's going to this is the first of what are going to be many lawsuits. And I am sort of keeping my mouth a little mum on the whole thing uh, <laughs> because I'm, you know, kind of involved <laughs> with it. And so, you know, that that's me. But I'm very curious what you have to say and think about uh, this Jane Doe lawsuit that was just filed and the fact that, you know, there is more coming. How do you see this as a, you know, as a longtime Scientologist, Sea Org member, former OSA staff, and now critic in the critic community? How do, and, and having seen everything that's happened in the past that's led up to this, what do you see, what's your take on this whole thing? Well, Chris, like you, I have to be guarded and muzzled on what I can say and what I can't say. But I, I will tell you this. Let me let me be let me step back and be a little bit educational here. I know you love you love to impart knowledge. Yes, I you do. Love to impart data. <laughs> People get increased knowingness after listening to a Chris Shelton video. Knowledge and data is important to you. So let me step back from the lawsuit, give a little bit of knowledge here. OSA, Officer Special Affairs, operate on a one, two, three. A one, two, three means the moment they, an enemy bubbles up, anything they consider a critic, an opponent, somebody revealing their dirty little secrets, their dark secret places, Anyone who is an opponent, the first thing they do is gain as much intelligence as they can. Legal is the last step. The first step is intel. And that's where all their gobs of 501c3 money is spent private investigators digging deep, talking to ex-relatives and people that knew someone 20 years, that they, they get dirt. They want intelligence. Intelligence is investigating that person within an inch of their life. This is, this is what they do. Then when they've massed all this intelligence, they do something called a threat assessment. A threat assessment is a complete time track of the person. From the time they went to kindergarten, they take out everything from the PC folders, from the ethics folders, from knowledge reports that other people wrote on you. They piece it all together in a consecutive time track. Wow. And, then, and given how much knowledge they have about people, that could be a pretty bulky document. Be, yes. yes, yes. So they know everything. They could... And then the assessment at the end is to predict what level of threat you are based on all the intelligence gleaned about you so that they can now evaluate and pronounce judgments on your level of threat. 
for example, they would go, hmm, this person's likely to write a book based on DDDDD and, and they're doing this and they're doing that and they're voicing and they don't seem scared of us. And all. So they predict the assessment is a prediction of <laughs> did they miss the boat on Valerie Haney? Did they think by the vicious, malicious stuff was that threat assessment cool? They, that threat us. I don't think they saw this lawsuit in a million years. So much for their great threat assessments. So much for that. Anyway, so the, I said this is going to be educational. One, two, three. So the first level is investigate. Get all the dirt, get the intelligence, get some little creepy thing. Like for me, I was hounded in session about a boyfriend I had had for three years. And they said, but did he give you money? Did he? And I said, you know, he actually did pay off a credit card bill. <gasps> but did you sleep with him? So I could see where that was going, right? Yeah. You slept with the guy because you're a hooker. I could see this writing on the, they were, they were accumulating dirt to then spin it. So investigate, investigate, investigate. Then after they have time, place, form, and event, everything about you, every nook and cranny, they try PR. Not always, if you've been completely deadly and your best friend is Mike Rindo, they won't even try that, they know it. But normally they would try PR. Now, public relations can be very, very wide. It can, it can even be reaching some of your best, your most close relatives and getting them to call you and say, hey, knock it off, please. That's all PR because they're using a public relations strategy to get you to shut up or to get you to go, this is not worth it. I'll never see my grandchildren ever. That's all PR. And if after intelligence and then PR, then they go legal. They would never go legal on anyone without the prior steps of intelligence and trying to see if PR works. Hubbard has said, don't sue. It's costly and it's threat to sue. That's also under PR because the PR trying to get in your head that they're going to sue you. I can't tell you how many times they've threatened lawsuit on me. Hot air! Bogus! Where's the lawsuit? Hot air! But that's negative PR designed to get in my head. So intelligence, then PR, then legal, which is a last resort. I mean, it's laughable that the cult is telling the media, we'll vigorously fight these charges. Hogwash. Even if it's the last day in the last hour before the courtroom drama starts, they will settle. They will never let what she knows go to trial. Yeah, I think, they, I think they learned their lesson pretty badly with Debbie Cook. 
years yes. ago because they tried. They said, oh, really? Okay. And because she started, you know, she sent that email out in 2000, New Year's 2012. And then they took her to court straight away for violating her non-disclosure agreement and all the money that they had given her and stuff. And she went on the stand, for anybody who doesn't know about this, for four, like four or five hours and downloaded stuff that no one had heard before about torture and abuse and human rights violations happening at the gold base that were shocking, even for us. And I mean, I, had, I heard stuff, I was like, whoa. So that day, it was like, shut that down, right? And they had a whole new settlement for her uh, that yeah. was substantially more than what she had gotten in the first place. So they, I, proof to your point there that they do not want to be exposed and they do not want their secrets getting out. And, I, and yeah, this Jane Doe lawsuit, there is a treasure trove of information that she could report on if she ever got on the stand. Very good, Chris. That's, you make excellent points. Uh, with Laura, well, her last name, Laura Diekman, she's changed, she remarried again nine years of battle and on the last day before her forced abortions her coerced abortions on the last day in the last hour they settled that's right now you would think you could ask me chris what on earth why aren't they quickly shutting her up and settling now i'll tell you why they know there's an avalanche of forthcoming lawsuits and they think if we give in too quickly and give her a few million dollars to go away, this will become God knows what, <laughs> how many more people will want a piece of our pie, right? So I... they can't hurry up. They can't do that. But, but she's in such a unique position because she's way, way closer in than Debbie Cook ever was. She served David Miscavige. She heard words out of his own mouth. She was there with Shelley. She's the ultimate insider. This is a whole different ballgame than Debbie Koch, who was summoned to, in, but she was mostly flag FSO. She was not, she was not living and breathing in base as Valerie had. So, and also, Chris, you have to look at the fact that the cult, the Scientology cult, has continued day after day, month after month, to make more and more enemies. The savage people with disconnection. So now, the amount of people willing to testify <laughs> is nothing like pre <laughs> before people were a little bit scaredy cat. Not now. They've no, that's very true. Very good point. Uh, because there are uh, an avalanche, I believe, of these things being lined up. I, you know, my 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 inside knowledge, so to speak, only goes so far. I'm not trying to be coy here. Uh, we know almost as much as you guys do out there who are listening to this. Uh, we know a little bit more, but <laughs> but not tons and tons more. But there is uh, there is you know the 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 church has not as far, as far as I know the church has not proactively gone after anybody in many many years. Do you, are, am I miss am I forgetting about anything on that? 
Do you mean legally? Yeah. Are you talking when you say go after? Correct. You're absolutely correct, Chris. Yeah. They go so, after people with the PR thing, with the fair gaming and the the, yes. the hate website, the ridiculous hate yes. websites and the rumor mongering yeah. and their stand league and all that other crap. They do. They're doing that full time. They're flat out on that stuff. But legally, yes. it's been kind of, you know, yes. and mm -hmm. I don't want to, you know, poke the bear by saying, well, they're defanged. I don't think that. I just think that they've somehow lost their will in this area. And I think it has to do with the fact of exposure. And I think it has to do with uh, the number of people who are no longer afraid in the media as well as us. I don't know. What do you what do you think about that? that sort of change compared to how they used to be in the 70s and 80s when they would just ruthlessly go after people in court. Yeah, their fangs have been declawed significantly. Their teeth have been sharpened down. Well, look at look at Chris. The last time they sued a media outlet was Time Magazine 14, 15 years ago. And the media uh, know that it's all bluff. It's all bluff. Take the Daily Mail. The Daily Mail often get threat huffing and puffing letters. And funnily enough, one of the Daily Mail in-house lawyers received almost the same cut and paste huff and puff threatening letter that he got 20 years ago. They're, not, they're so lazy, they're using a cut and paste <laughs> of the same language. But it's the same in-house lawyer reading this garbage. Right. So it was laughter, absolute laughter, hogwash. Because where are the suits? Has, has the cult sued the Daily Mail? The Daily Mail doesn't seem to miss a beat. If it can get someone who was in even 20 years, boy, they'll, <laughs> they'll go to town and they'll do it. And uh, other media, it's almost like the gloves are off. Remember in the medieval days, the blood sport was throwing gladiators in with lions. That was a sport. To me, translating it into this new millennium century, the blood sport of the media is to take on the Scientology cult for blood. Every second day is some new horror story of some new, it's, it's a bloodbath. It's, it's, I think they are almost bull baiting and taunting the cult. I think and so too, especially considering that now they're a punchline in late night monologues yes, on, on TV yes. shows. We hear about this all yes. the time. Um, you know, like yes. they're just not, like nobody takes it seriously. And, and, <laughs> <laughs> and starting with Anonymous in 2008, and now we've really gone, you know, mushroom cloud. I mean, it really has blown up that um, that they are now known as the destructive human rights violators that they are, that it's that it's actually not just a weird, kooky sci-fi cult or UFO cult or something. You know, you could, people can just kind of toss labels off on these things and dismiss it. But no, people actually recognize now that there are people being abused and being hurt and even being, you know, that deaths have resulted because of Scientology. And that's not some hyperbolic, exaggerated statement. I mean, you have your own personal experience with that, tragic as it was. And there, and unfortunately, that wasn't the only time that happened. Never in the history of any religion has there been 
a Chris Shelton and a Tony Ortega and an Aaron Sullivan just continue as news breaks. It is out there and thousands and increasingly thousands read it. It's almost like having one's personal uh, Reuters or Associated Press for Scientology. Yeah, <laughs> Here's the latest news. <laughs> Here it is. Here's it. Hey everyone, I have some more good news about the Great Courses Plus and its latest featured offering. We all deserve to keep learning and definitely need to continually challenge what we know or think we know. That is what the Great Courses Plus is all about and why I love this streaming service. It's founded on the idea that education should be accessible to everyone and make resources available to you that you'd literally have to otherwise pay tens of thousands of dollars to a college or university to be able to see or access. I don't know about you, but I can't afford those heavy student loans, and I don't need the pressure of homework and grades and all that. That's what The Great Courses Plus provides. Education, without all the other rigmarole. And with The Great Courses Plus app, you can learn whenever and wherever you want. This month, I recommend the Introduction to Formal Logic course. As anyone who watches my channel knows, I'm all about critical thinking. And this course helps show you how, such as using logic to overcome our natural impulses to accept false information if it sounds like it matches up with what we want to believe. I've talked about logical fallacies, and many of them are explained in detail here. I'm telling you, this service is amazing, and the resources are useful and easy to use. Right now, they're giving my listeners a special limited time offer for a free month of unlimited access to the entire library. Use the special link, thegreatcoursesplus.com critical. I've posted the link in the description to this video and in the notes for this podcast on my website. Again, that's thegreatcoursesplus.com critical. Give it a try today. But let me tell you something. I, I wonder if I'm wonder if I can say this. I, I, I guess I can say it's just my opinion. I don't want to give away too much that I know because I can't. But let's look at this lawsuit. Mm -hmm. Let's look at this incredible opening of the sequence of lawsuits. Let's look at this. This is going to fish out Shelley. Can you see it? Mm -hmm. Can you see the underlying oh, yeah. Shelley will be subpoenaed. Shelley will have to testify. She's she is part of this lawsuit. That is absolutely unconfrontable of what the they've hidden this woman away for years. Oh yeah. Well, I mean so what since 2007, 6, the last time she was seen in public? That we know of like actual like yeah. absolutely yeah. positively was her there have been a couple sightings that people suspected was her but we can't be a hundred percent sure but we know for sure the last time she was seen was i think it was 2006 and that's yeah. crazy that's 12 years ago and to get a lawsuit that's so cleverly worded that certain people Miscavige, here comes his subpoena right. <laughs> he got he wiggled out of it in the marty rathburn lawsuit saying there's something where you're, if the, you're the apex or the absolute pinnacle, 
you do not have to be drawn in. For example, if you got very mad at American Express, let's say they didn't, you know, there was a fraudulent charge and they didn't come to you, you know, the, the, the merchant disputed that you bought it and other, and American Express did not refund you. You cannot then draw in the CEO of American Express and demand because he, he, he's sitting at the table, nothing to. So they used that law that you can't pull in the top. That was in the Marty Rathbun lawsuit. This is her daily, daily working for the. This isn't some apex, distant, nothing to do with the price of. This is up close and personal. It's a whole different thing than the Marty Rathbun lawsuit. This is very much her life, her penalties. And, and can you imagine, you know, I, I don't know why you and I didn't get in the back of the car and run, but she, she put herself in the back of the car. Is, can't that be dangerous, Chris? Oh my God, absolutely. Oh, that, yeah, there's a reason why you don't, I mean, you don't, it's not a passenger seat in the back of a car, you know what I mean, in the trunk. And that's how she got away from the gold bases. She hid in uh, the back of, a, of an actor's car who had gone up there for a day shoot and left not knowing she was in the back of the car that she had hid. And that's how she escaped Scientology. Yeah. <laughs> Normally, you think of a church as a refuge, as a place where you want to go in and maybe kneel down and meditate, look at your higher self. You, it's a place of safety. It's a place where the one thing you know is you have your church. In Scientology, <laughs> you plot and plan. Ron Miscavige, who recently had you on, um, he said he plotted for six months to escape. He, it was like a military Navy SEAL operation down to the all the, the, the previous, making the security guards believe he went there to do laundry. I mean, he planned it for six months. Yeah. That's the, <laughs> a church should not be something you have to escape from. From. Right. Yeah. Escape from from exactly churches have always been these say sort of i don't know what the word uh, uh you know refuges sanctuaries safe sanctuaries. havens places you can go that it used to i mean it used to be a thing you could claim sanctuary in a church i mean mm -hmm. i don't know if that was just a tradition thing or if that was a legal thing but it was certainly a thing yeah. you know so scientology has really flipped the script on all of that i mean it's just this abusive organization and and I guess that's why we, you know, we end up calling these things destructive cults is because we want to differentiate them from the good guys, you know, that there, there are good guys out there who are trying to do good things and, and they're, and they're, you know, involved in, in religious activities, but Scientology ain't that. Right. You know, it's the exact opposite. And look, look at the mark head. I was just flashing on another blow that many of your audience would already know about in the book blown for good. He, he escapes on his motorbike and this threatening SUV from Gold Base actually bumps him. So he's hurled into the gully and it goes, but a passerby saw that and called it in. A passerby driving by saw an SUV 
Can you imagine a roving SUV willing to bump you off a motorbike into a dark gully because you're trying to escape? And of course, Hemet police or Riverside police, whatever it was, they gave him an escort after they, he was still trying to defend the, he was saying, no, he just slipped. He's still with all the stuff he went through, being punched by David Miscavige and the sleep deprivation and everything else. He still tried to keep the cult out of it. Good old Mark Headley, I tell you, what a, these escape stories sometimes are breathtaking. Yeah, yep. it's really quite something. The, uh, yeah, Blown for Good, that's a, that's a book to check out if you haven't seen it out there, guys. Uh, that's Mark Headley's uh, entire story. So, okay, so they do the threat assessments, they do PR handlings, and then it ends up going to legal if it ends up going to legal. What's the attitude from your time at least and I can't think of any reason why it would have changed from the time you were into now, because it's <laughs> for <laughs> a lot of the same people <laughs> still there. Uh, and the new people that come up the line, you know, it, to be in, to, to work in the Office of Special Affairs, you have to want to be there. They, can, they don't transfer people into the Office of Special Affairs who don't want to go there. That's a, that's, I know that's a requirement, at least it was when I was in the Sea Org, right? So you have yes. motivated people who, who are true believers, they, they believe in the cause, let's say. Uh, maybe they start having doubts or maunderings as they start you know, seeing behind the curtain, finding out you know, all this confidential information they weren't aware of before. But what was the attitude, um, that, you know, that might be a little bit of hopeful thinking. What, what do they talk about and, and, and how do they look at these things from that perspective? I'm not sure I understand. You mean oh. how, how does OSA look at a lawsuit like yes. this? That, yes, uh, yes. What, what what, in, in the meetings that the OSA guys are having, from your experience, what do you think they're talking about now? Well, they are the deepest Kool-Aid drinkers of all. They're willing to do illegal acts, criminal acts, anything goes because it's the greatest good. And this is, the, they are truly willing to do, do whatever it takes, no matter how deadly. Now, the first view they're going to have is, this is a screaming SP. This is a person who wants to harm our goodness. This, wants, this is challenging our entity globally because it's gone, everyone can read this. So there is only, well, you see, the idea is you crush an enemy. There is only one, Scientology handles all dissidents, all people who push back on them, all renegades or people who say no. There's only one thing they do, which is if you come after us, we will crush you. Right. But you see, the internet is here. The internet is acting like a California highway patrol. You're being policed. You can't go. In earlier days, they could crush you, throw you to the wilderness. 
cut you off from one and all. There was no support system. There was no aftermath foundation. There was no money. There was no comm lines. You couldn't get a job anywhere. All the people you knew were signed out. No one would hire you. So you were cast out like a leper. And then they would do even more mind games on you. Look at, look at Tori. Um, when Tori came out, there was no support. Tori Chrisman, there was no support system and stuff like that. They took her private home telephone number and posted it on porn websites saying that she loved to give blowjobs. Just imagine Office of Special Affairs, these guys who signed a billion-year religious pledge were willing to take someone who was in 30 years and post their number on porn websites. So Tori had calls morning, noon, I had to change her phone number and stuff, but when I say OSA will do whatever it takes, the idea was to smash Tori to pulp, make her into a nondescript dot so that she had no voice. So, okay, let me just backtrack. I told you one, two, three, and I described intelligence was to get all the dirt, right? And then PR, but not, we think of public relations as something good and glorious. No, public relations is anything used maybe in a very negative PR way, right? There's, right. there's such a thing as black PR. And exactly. Hubbard actually uh, wrote policies about that, how to do a black PR campaign and what to do if you're at, at the receiving end of a black PR campaign is, is, uh, is, how, he, is how he talked about it. Yeah. And then when I say legal, when it goes to legal, Chris, legal doesn't mean they actually file a lawsuit, but they threaten. So now they're sending legal letters that threaten their bogus hot air thing and it can get in people's head they can worry that a lawsuit is coming they can, they feel <laughs> so legal doesn't mean you actually go legal but you get letters from their notorious lawyers These okay so the cease and desist letters yes, and the that's, that's we're gonna legal. sue your we're gonna sue you to the you know end of the earth and those kind of moxen letters like i i, yes. I kind of call them they don't just come from you know moxen he's he's one of the scientologist attorneys but you know the moxen type letters these like aggressive you better yes. Or we're gonna, you know, show you the sharp end of our of our baseball bat, right? Um, yes. And that's so that's a PR function. No, that's now in that's legal because it's a legal threat. Okay. Okay. If yeah, cease and desist is a legal term, so now it's legal. Don't forget, they've done all their homework on you. They've done a threat assessment, and they feel that it's better to go send you a legal threatening letter than to bother with any PR action on you. They consider you far gone by the time you get one of those legal threat bogus hot air letters. The only thing is because we keep sharing, every time I got a legal threat letter, I sent it straight to Tony Ortega and it was on his blog the next day and then nothing happened. Silence, the sound of silence. Larry Wright will tell you, uh, uh, 
how when he was writing Going Clear, every day, every day, every day, every 24 hours, there was a new threat. Every day, every day, every day. Well, let's take a look at this, Chris. Going Clear has come and gone five, six years. Where's the lawsuit? Where's all the hot air lawsuits that they threatened? Exactly. Hot air, hot air, That's bullshit, right. nonsense, lies. Vanity Fair got really fed up with the legal threat letters when they were exposing the Tom Cruise pimping episode when Sea Org members had to Sea <laughs> Org members had to look at all the pretty women videos to see what the prettiest of the prettiest with the nicest person, you know, what would Tom Cruise like for a new sexual partner? Well, <laughs> Vanity Fair got fed up with the threat list, so they started posting every day. <laughs> Vanity Fair put it on the web. <laughs> exactly. And that's, you know, because it's almost like the ridicule factor backs them off, you know, because they're being exposed. And and they're, they're, you know, the other thing about these folks that, that, that people really need to get is that, you know, we, 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 we talk trash, we joke about them and that sort of thing. But these are people who have very dirty hands. They have a lot yes. of skeletons in their closet, not a yes. couple. Yes. And so, so their tactics are bully tactics. And, yes. that, and it comes straight out of Hubbard's vindictive nature where he, I, I, you know, Hubbard wasn't just all talk. Hubbard actually was like, we're going to crush this guy. And he followed through and tried to crush people and, and sometimes succeeded and sometimes didn't. But now there's so much exposure because that bully mentality that Hubbard started and wrote into the, the DNA of the organization, so to speak, has carried forward. But now it's just bluster because they know that if they really get challenged, like this lawsuit's doing, and they're going to end up in court, which is what we're moving toward with this whole thing, those skeletons are not going to stay in the closet. Yeah. And they're terrified, I am sure, terrified. of those mm -hmm. things being exposed. Yeah. Right on the nose. You said it very, very well, Chris. You know, they made my own son, all bogus, all hot air, but they made my own son go legal on me. What happened is when I came right out, I had a bunch of ex-SO write to me and say, Karen, your son was having sexual intercourse at 12 years old. By the way, you did the most incredible. This is, I want to talk to you more, but this is, you did, you told Alexander's story beautifully. Now, uh, and so you know about this, right? Alexander is having sex. Yeah, I'll, I'll link so to that video, by the way, guys, in the show notes good, so you can see it. Because if you yes. haven't seen that video of Alex's whole story from beginning to end, I mean, I interviewed the coroner. I mean, we really went into detail about this. And Karen, you're, of course, your contribution to that, of course, was just absolutely championship and very, very touching. And it's a story that, that needs to continue to be told because Alex is not somebody to forget about. He is not just another name in a long line of names. He's, he well, was a real you knew person. Him, you knew him personally, yes, one-on-one. On one. So you, you had some sort of spark in you. I knew there was boogie-woogie in your soul. <laughs> and, <laughs> and that boogie-woogie did come out in this heartfelt one. It was one, of, it, and that's why you got thousands and thousands of views. Anyway, um, Alec, 
I sent an email to Alexander and said, talk to me, you, I'm your mom. Now I find out you've been secretive. I, whatever it is, I, I sent him some kind of email and I got an email within days. I got a law letter from Donald Wager, a cohort of a previous lawyer called Elliot Abelson. Right. Elliot Abelson was the infamous lawyer that did the Debbie Cook. Uh, <laughs> he was saying, you're signing this, right? The cult never did anything. You're happy. You're doing this completely of your own will. You never had a, that was the Elliot Abelson thing. Well, Elliot Abelson was a former district attorney. Did you know that Elliot Abelson previously represented the mob and mafia gangsters, right? This is a church How lawyer. How am I not surprised by that at all? He went from one mob to another mob. Exactly. He exactly. went from the mafia mob to the religious mob of the cult of Scientology. Wow. Anyway, Donald Wager was a fellow district attorney and cohort. He's what's known as a cutaway. A cutaway is one level of hiding. The cult didn't want me to know immediately, oh, this is a cult lawyer. So they didn't use Elliot Abelson, they used Donald Wager. And Wager wrote to me and said, you know, the, this is like, you've done a kind of extortion. And this is under, under this, this law and this bylaw and all that, you're guilty of extortion? I was extorting Alexander to tell the truth? I sent him back a scathing email, but the reason Listen to this, the last line of this threat letter from Donald Wager on Alexander to me said, if you want a relationship with Alexander, you need to make yourself good with Office of Special Affairs. It was coded language saying, stop, Karen. Stop all your exposing the cult, stop. Cease and desist. It didn't say that, but if you connected the dots, that's what it said. Well, yeah, real subtle, right guys. Yeah. Seven years later, I think two years after that, I started my YouTube channel and I have 9.5 million views on my YouTube channel. And I get every day, every day, approximately seven to 10,000 people watch my videos. That's <laughs> so much for Donald Wager's telling, uh, threatening for me to shut up. And where is the law? Where you see? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I didn't buy into. Remember, I knew the hot air bullshit of intelligence, PR, legal bullshit, and legal threat. And Chris, you and I should, you and I should really. As we come to the end, I hope you'll have me back and we've got tons of topics to discuss. But as we sort of venture towards the end of this, this one, we need to inspire people that they can come forward. They can write to you. They can talk to you. They can do episodes because so much of this is absolute dreamt up balloons of hot air and the cult does not really have teeth they don't and now 
with these lawsuits coming forward, I think they're more subdued before running to make a new hate page and running to be libelous because karma is moving forward. Would you give some final thoughts and agreement on that? Yes, I agree with you completely on that because what this is kind of exposing as far as I can tell, and actually our conversation here has actually sort of clarified some things for me in my own mind about some of this. Um, because when you when you break it down into a three-step process like that, you can see that the, the main leverage that they have in the PR area, right, is either exposing you, and if you're an innocent person, who most Scientologists are, then you don't have anything to expose. I mean, you're not a criminal, I'm not a criminal, so, you know, them saying we're going to, you know, make your PC folders public or something is like, okay, go ahead, you know, if people want to you know, read about my masturbatory fantasies or something, knock yourselves out, I guess, you know, but that's not, there's nothing criminal there. So the other point they have is the disconnection. They're going to disconnect you. They're going to use your family. They're going to leverage those people against you who are yes. still in the church. And yes. if that fails, they're kind of SOL at this point. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, yeah. the, and the media have really led the way in some ways in terms of the exposure. Anonymous started it, you know, and of course, the old school, the OG critics really started it. They're the ones who really took the shellackings. Yeah. Yeah. Then Anonymous came along and then it got, then it blew up. And then the, then the documentaries started. And those documentaries survived because they were fact-checked up one side and down the other by teams of lawyers that these guys, the New Yorker, Time, uh, not the New York Times, I think, uh, HBO, these guys really went to town fact-checking their data. Yeah. So yeah. they knew they were bulletproof. They knew Scientology, hey, you know, the, the, the best defense is the truth, <laughs> you know, and that's what we're doing. So that's another reason why that legal step kind of fizzles. It kind of just doesn't really go anywhere, you know, because there isn't anything to, there, we're not doing anything wrong in exposing abuses, you know, exposing yeah. our own abusive past and the fact that these abuses continue to the present day, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. I wanted to add one thing on when we were, we were going intelligence, PR, legal. Yep. In PR, Hubbard said, find or manufacture. <laughs> so it doesn't matter if there isn't anything in your PC folders. They will manufacture or they will take one little nugget out of your PC folder and embellish it and just drum it up into, you know, complete another. Let, let me give you an example. Sarge. The, the the guy who was the caretaker at at Creston Ranch, right? He was ordered to build the suicide electric shock machine that Hubbard wanted. You know, I can't even tell you, Chris, how my world. I used to meet Marty Rathman in secretly in a hotel in Los Angeles by the airport when Marty was exposing. And Marty briefed me on all of this way before the book, way before most of the population knew that Hubbard had built this, had, Hubbard had requested an electric shock machine and had sent Sarge. Now, for years, you and I, as veteran Sea Org members, 
have been indoctrinated in the evil of electric shock and the psychiatrist's evil. So to think Hubbard then wanted a zapping of a massive electric shock. This is a guy I had dedicated the best years of my life following his stuff. And now he wants an electric shock machine to zap him out of his body because he has a so-called evil BT. It just, like every, my world went upside down. Now, the cult tried to dead agent Larry Wright for putting this in his book. And they have something I'm saying, this is nonsense. This guy only handled the horses and the cows. He was a barnyard helper sweeping the sweeping up the dung. And uh, the fact that Hubbard would call him in and ask him personally, this is nonsense. He was, he was nothing more than a dung handler. But you know what? Sarge was so disturbed that he wrote in real time as this was happening to Terry and messengers he knew from, because they knew he. So he was writing outside of Creston. And these things that Hubbard was doing this had leaked external to Creston. There wasn't something that the, the cult made it sound like he just made this up because he was being interviewed by Larry Wright. No, it was documented. Wow. This actually happened. He wrote it. I wasn't aware that he had documented it uh, in real time while that was happening. That is well, a new did, piece he, of uh, very interesting yeah. information. Well, it, uh, he wasn't thinking I'm documenting it. It was a plea for help. Oh, no, it I happened. get it. Oh, yeah, no, I, I, I'm phrasing yeah. it in, in that yeah, way, yeah, but phrasing. yes. Yeah, yeah, yes. he wasn't, he had, you know, he, everybody was in at the time. Jenny was in, Terry was in, and he was saying, what do we do? What do I do? <laughs> this was a plea from the heart for help. Oh, how do man. you did it? This business of saying he handled cow manure and horse manure and uh, Hubbard would never have trusted him. He was just a barn handler. This is just... But do you see how they deny, 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 deny? There's one thing that people are getting fed up with, with the cult, and that is every new horror story that emerged, deny, no, deny, deny, deny. There's, <laughs> there's nothing else except we deny. They haven't even hardly read it and they deny. That's right. That's right. And it does, it, so, it's, it's so old hat now. Yeah, it's old hat. People just laugh at it, you know, because it's just so predictable. And yeah. I can't, you know, I've been, <laughs> you'd think, you know, I know that they're watching your videos, my videos, Tony's stuff, everybody's stuff, right? Aaron's stuff, et cetera. You'd th we, we keep telling them what they're doing wrong and they keep doing it. You know, it really is uh, quite amazing. It's, it's, it's almost, it's, it's, it would be funnier if, if we didn't know about how tragic it was uh, as to what was actually going on in this group. But these guys are just, it, it really is quite something, so. And they have the data series, which is supposed to find the wise to evaluate anything. They're sitting there saying, we have the answers to unlock knowledge, that we've got the data series. Well, let me tell you what those evals say, one for one. I did the data series. I even had an eval pass from ABC, Int. It, from the internship, you've got to have. Look, 
here's the thing. Every eval comes down to the SPs. The who's are the SPs. They have evil in their heart. And so the why for the fallout and the complete free fall out of control of good PR for this cult, it would take generations to repair this. This is not, can't be fixed in 10 years, but they keep, if they're even using their own eval tech, which is a joke that they tout they have it, where are the evals? Where is it solving anything? Where is it moving it more towards an ideal scene? Exactly. Come on. Well, exactly. here's the thing. Here's the thing. Their evals come down to Karen Delac Harris and SP, Chris Shelton, Aaron Swinton, Tony Ortega, Leah Remini, Micro, SP, SP, SP. And the why is that we have incredible evil in our soul that's yeah right. that's gonna that's, that's gonna move it to an ideal scene that's gonna move it to an ideal scene exactly sure thing. you yeah. might as well blame the smurfs yeah <laughs> so so claiming that they have eval tech that can take anything to an ideal scene that's fraud that's a piece of bullshit where right. where are the results why are they not using their eval tech exactly Exactly. All right, Karen, this has been very interesting. Thank you very yeah, much for I, taking the time I to chat it with very me. Much. Thank you, Chris. You, you know how to you grasp and you analyze really fast. I'm happy to be a patron. I'm, I'm really happy to be a monthly patron for you, Chris. And I encourage anyone that gets educated here, please, even if it's a, any amount always helps. Become a patron of Chris. Bye-bye, everybody. Hope <laughs> to see you again on one of Chris's shows. Take care. Bye-bye. Awesome. Thank you, Karen. And uh, I, that was an unpaid endorsement, by the way. <laughs> Thank you very much for that. <laughs> Guys, leave any questions, comments, or feedback in the comment section below here on YouTube or at sensiblyspeaking.com, and I will see them and uh, maybe respond to them. And uh, otherwise, we will see you guys next week. Thanks for coming around. Bye-bye.